Let me give you a little bit of introduction about myself, and then I'll jump into the message for today. Uh, as Scott said, I uh, <coughs> graduated from Harvard, and I afterwards I worked in campus ministry and uh, had the opportunity and privilege to also work with um, some of you might know Jeremy Lin, basketball player. So uh, um, yeah, I just had a, a really great time. Uh, ministering to students on campus. After that, I work now for an organization called All Girls Allowed, and we help girls and mothers in China um, who are being threatened under the one-child policy. Myself, I'm a second-generation Chinese. How, how many of you were born here? Okay, so you can probably all relate to me. Um, <clears throat> I grew up not really speaking much Chinese in the house, and so... I like to pretend that I wasn't Chinese whenever we went to a Chinese restaurant. Uh, some t- I think at one, one time we went, din- went to dim sum with some American friends and I pretended I was Filipino. <laughs> um, so I hope you, you guys uh, are able to do better than that, but uh, don't be ashamed if, if you can't. That's, that's just a natural, um, a natural thing for us second generation kids. I'm going to share a little bit more about my testimi- testimony uh, throughout the sermon, but let me give you a brief nugget of what it was, uh, how I came to the Lord. I grew up pretty rebellious. Uh, I was kind of a brat as a kid. I got sent to the principal's office quite a bit. Uh, <clears throat> was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only the dean's office? Yeah, well... Uh, <clears throat> As I will get to later on, this is not something you want to emulate. <laughs> you don't want to copy me in that way. Um, but when I was 10, my parents got divorced, and that was uh, one of the hardest times of my life. And around that time, some other things happened. Uh, I went through puberty. I think some of you might know what that means. Um, and I also uh, started to think a lot more about what I believed, and around that time, I decided I didn't believe in God. I, I renounced my faith in God, and I just said, you know what, um, you let my parents break up, and you brought me to this new place, and I'm not interested in you. And I put it in my Bible, put that note in the Bible, and put my Bible away, and I didn't open it for many years. Um, in, the, in the years after that, I chased success, and I, I became quite successful in the world's eyes. Um, that's how I ended up getting to Harvard. Um, but it was all darkness inside, and it got worse and worse and worse. Uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit more about what that darkness was uh, and how you, if you're entering into a place of darkness or if you do in the future, uh, the Lord will enable you to walk into his light. Once I got to Harvard, uh, interestingly enough, that was when I found the Lord, or actually that's when the Lord found me. Um, and I, I, I committed myself to him, I submitted myself to him, because I realized that all the dreams that I was chasing were just nothing uh, compared, to, compared to Jesus. And so after that, uh, the Lord has brought me on a long journey uh, of his grace and his joy. And now, now I feel ready and equipped to go out and, and share that love with others. So before I start with my my message today, why don't you turn to your neighbor and answer this one question. 
In what ways do you want to be more like your dad? In what ways do you want to be more like your dad or more like your mom? So turn to your I know this might be a hard question, but turn to your neighbor and try to answer that question. How do you want to be more like your parents? Does anyone want to share? Share with the bigger group? Don't be shy. No? Come on. Anyone want to share? Yeah, go ahead. She wants to have her father's heart of gold. Heart of gold. Ah, that's great. <laughs> that's good. Anyone else want to share? Well, for me, it was um, I always I always wanted to be like my dad, and he he liked to sing and clap his hands while he was driving. So <laughs> he'd be like he'd be like driving and listening to music and singing really loud, awful. But I like to do that because he did it, even though no one else does that. Um, you know, I like to eat the food that my dad ate, and I, I like to walk like him. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? A little bit. All right. Well, uh, today we're going to be looking at a. It's a long passage, but I chose this passage because. Um, because I think that the way that it's organized can help us to, to walk uh, through what it looks like to be children of light. <clears throat> the first couple of verses, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. First, we need to know, before I start with anything today, we are beloved children of God. Do you know what it means to be a beloved child? Um, <clears throat> I know what it's like to love my child and to, for my child to be beloved because in Becca right now, inside of her is our son. I've never met him. I have no idea what he looks like, what he's going to what his personality is going to be like. Is he going to be cool? Will he be dorky? I don't know. Uh, is he going to be, you know, good at sports? Or is he going to be good at math? Is he going to be good at music? Is he going to love playing outside? I, I don't know any of these things. I don't know if he's going to be good at school. Is he going to be successful? Is he going to be obedient? I don't know any of these things. If he's anything like me, probably not any of those things. Um, 
But what I do know is I love him. And even though I've never met him, I love him. I may not pray for anything else every day of my life, but I will pray for him every day of my life. That is what it means to be beloved. You, before you were born, that's how your parents thought of you too. But long before you were even a twinkle in your mother's eye, that's how God thought of you. So understand as we walk through today, and we'll be talking about some pretty serious things, as we walk through today, remember, you are beloved children of God. God loved you before you were even a twinkle in your mother's eye. He loved you. He knew you before any days of your life came to pass. And so you can rest in his love. And why, why can we rest in his love? It says in the second verse, because Christ first loved us. And so that's how we can walk um, as beloved children, because we know that God loved us first. So that's first and foremost. We need to know that and believe that. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, imitate God. How do we imitate God? What are some things that God is like? What is God like? Why don't we hear some, why don't you shut them up? I think I heard someone say, he's kind. Great. He's good. Yeah. He's real good. Yeah. Yeah, he's real good. What else is God like? Loving? Heart of gold. Merciful? Yeah, these are good. How about fun? He likes to have fun. He likes to go to the wedding and make wine. What else? Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about what God is like. He's compassionate. He's caring. He's thoughtful. He's hardworking. Um, And we want to be like him in all those ways. But today we'll focus on what he's like in that he's he's light. He's light, just like the sunlight around us. He's light. Um, And how can we imitate him by walking in the light? Now, I don't know if you guys knew before you came in today that we'd be talking about sex. Um, But yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about sex today. And my goal today is to help you to understand both what is beautiful and amazing about sex and uh, what is challenging and hard about sex. So, let's get started. What is good about sex? I'd say there are four reasons that sex is good. Um, you reproduce. You reproduce? That's, that's a good reason. Why is that a good reason? Because God told us to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so that's reason number one. Be fruitful and multiply. God gave us sex so that we could fulfill his command. And we know that children are a heritage from the Lord. They're our, our inheritance. Okay, so that's another thing. Number two... In the very first marriage, who was the very first married couple? Adam and Eve. And, and do you guys remember what Adam said when he saw Eve? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the NIV is not, not so good with this, but the ESV does it much better. 
in the ESV, he says, this at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He kind of been looking at all the animals and none of them were satisfied spying enough. But when he saw Eve, he said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And it's the first poem, the first poem in history was a love poem, a love song. Some of you might listen to love songs and write poems, or, or at least you wish that someone would write poems to you. So that is, that is what is amazing about sex. Sex is intimate, and it's love. And we know that he's, he's not just talking about plain old romance. He's talking about sex, because right after that, we see that the, the, the husband has to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, becoming one flesh. That's the act of sex. So this at last, it's romantic. Another good reason, uh, another thing that's good about sex is that it actually feels good. It's pleasurable. Now this is something that um, I'm going to share a bit about how it's also a stumbling block. It can be a hard thing. But in its purest form, when God invented sex, he meant it to be good. He meant it to be pleasurable. Just like when you eat that bowl of ramen, oh, yeah, you know, like, ramen is so gross, but for some reason we love it. Um, so, if, if, if ramen is so gross, but we love it, sex is this amazingly beautiful thing. And actually it represents what our relationship should be with God. God uses so often the metaphor of us being his bride. We're his bride. And he's our groom. He's our husband. And so there's that interplay back and forth. Um, if you've read Song of Songs, um, you, might, you probably haven't read Song of Songs because it's like weird how romantic it is, but it's really, it's a love poem. It's about romance, but it's about God's love for us. It's about God's love for us. Um, <clears throat> one thing that you guys may not realize about sex is uh, its connection with marriage. Um, You guys, have have you been to a wedding before? Yeah. When exactly is the couple married? At what point is the couple actually a married couple? When they kiss? Right before that? When they exchange their vows? When we put on the rings? The pronouncement? When is it exactly? Well... I would, I would pause. I would argue. I would posit that um, it actually is when they have their first sexual union. When yes, that's what they call consummating the marriage. And and the reason is, if you look at the Bible all throughout, all throughout the Bible, you see that there's very little talking about the the wedding. But there's a lot talking about the, the sexual act. And that's, in the Bible, they, it says, and then he knew her. Because in sex, you know each other deeply and intimately. It's the most intimate way to know each other. Uh, we also know that uh, sex is so intricately related to marriage because Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights. Conjugal is another named for marital, marital rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. What are these rights? He's talking about sex. Because every time there's sex, 
you're reaffirming your marriage vows. You're reaffirming that you love each other, that you know each other deeply. So I know you guys are a long way away from marriage, so why am I talking to you about this? Well, I'm talking to you about this, and I'm going to share from my own testimony in a moment. I'm talking with you because we need to remember that sex is good, and we need to save save sex for that good moment of marriage because sex is meant to be for marriage. When God invented sex, that's what he meant it for. And before we get married, we go through puberty and our bodies start to change. And so it actually can be quite tempting to use sex in the wrong way. So, Paul talks about sexual immorality in this passage. What is sexual immorality? What went wrong? So sin... The word sin literally means missing the mark. It's like you're aiming at a target with a bow, and there's a target, and you miss the mark. It doesn't matter how close to the mark you got. If you miss the mark, you sin. And this is the high standard that God has for us. It's not really a matter of how we sin, but it's the fact that we're not following God completely. Another way to put sin could be we're not using our bodies the way that God meant us to use them. We're not following God the way we're supposed to follow him. So um, some of you guys might play drums, um, but if I took a hammer, if I thought, oh, I want these drums to be really loud, and I took a hammer and started hitting the drums with a hammer, what would happen? They'd totally break, right? They would break. Well, that's, that's what... That's what it's like when we sin. We're not using the right thing at the right time. Sometimes when I'm really tired, I might put something into the microwave when I'm supposed to put it in the fridge. Like, a, you know, I take some ice cream out and I put it in the microwave and then it's all melted by the time it's out. Um, well, that is, that is what, when God sees us sinning, he's like, what are you doing? This is supposed to be in the fridge. Stop putting it in the microwave. Stop using that hammer. I gave you drumsticks. So let's look here. Um, the next verse, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not, must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let's skip to verse 5. For you may be sure of this, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So let me share a little bit about my own story. Um, I fell into sexual immorality um, actually around the time that, around your age. So um, it's actually, it hits home when I see see you guys, because it reminds me of when I was your age. Um... The first thing I stumbled upon by accident was pornography. Uh, <clears throat> now, pornography, if you don't know what it is, is uh, it's pictures or videos of naked people, uh, and often they're having sex. And for me, I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. I just stumbled upon it. You know, back in that that time, the internet was just getting started, and I was just happened to be on the internet, and I stumbled upon it. 
And it, it fulfilled something in me. It, it, it filled this desire, this lust that I had within me. It, beca- it became pleasurable. I felt like I had control. I had control and power. For some reason, I felt like the person on the screen was at my control because I could, I could control what happened. There was something very secret and hidden about it. It was something that only I did. And I, I, I did it in my room and I did it when no one was looking and I looked at it when it was dark or even at night, that kind of thing. But after a while, I found that it, it didn't satisfy anything at all. You know, the, the pleasure that I had experienced from looking at it became dull. Uh, I stopped enjoying it, really. It was like eating too many candy bars at once makes you sick. The control that I thought I had over the women on the screen, well, actually, I found that the pornography was controlling me. I, I couldn't help what I did. I couldn't keep the impulses away. You know, ever have a song stuck in your head and you just can't get it out of your head? Well, imagine if that song sounds like fingernails on the chalkboard. That was what pornography was to me. It was fingernails on the chalkboard over and over again, trying to fulfill this need, and it had power over me. I had to do it in secret, and because of that, I had fear, shame, and guilt. What happened to Adam and Eve when they first sinned? They hid. They hid from the Lord. They were afraid. Why do they have to be afraid of God? God knows everything. And yet I was afraid. I was afraid. I didn't want anyone to know. I felt great shame. And that continued on uh, afterwards. uh, As I started to date, as I started to be intimate with other girls, um, we started exploring sexually. And the same thing. Same thing happened. I thought it was to fulfill a need, but actually what happened is it just became dull. I thought I had control and power over my girlfriend, but actually we used that to control each other. It was hidden and secretive, and we, we always felt fear, shame, and guilt. I was always worried. What if, what if that, 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 that leader in the church finds out? You know, I'll be in such, so much shame. I never felt clean or whole, and I always wanted to justify myself. Oh, this is okay because, or, you know, the Bible says this, but, but this, but I think this. Um, or why does everyone have to be so legalistic? I would make up all these excuses. And what does that sound like? That sound, doesn't it sound familiar? What did Cain say when, when God called out to him? He said, yeah. am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Am I my brother's keeper? He's making excuses. He knows exactly what he did, but he's making excuses. I found myself making excuses for what I knew was wrong. It led me farther from God, prevented me from truly experiencing his love. Every time I fell into sin, because I knew it, I would, I would turn away from God. I would, be, I would just hide myself from him. I would be afraid to see his face. And then Satan, and, and Satan, the, the word literally means accuser. He accused, he kept accusing me. You are no, you're not a child of God. You're not deserving to be a child of God. You're not deserving to be a child of God. 
And so it drew me even farther and farther away from God in a spiral, downward spiral, into darkness. It hurt my friendships and my relationships. It made me very prone to anger, to jealousy, took away my joy and my freedom. And when I thought that I could be on mission for the Lord, I was zealous for God. I wanted to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. I wanted to help the orphans. Uh, And literally, I went out to China one summer to help orphans. But because I was in sexual sin, I couldn't do it. I was ineffective. I was unfruitful. And I became angry. So why? why? Why would I do that? If I know that sex is good, why would I do that? Well, we know that Satan is clever. Genesis 3 says he was the most clever or crafty animal in the garden. So he's not going to just try to tempt you with that candy bar when he knows he can tempt you with something that feels even better. He knows that sex will satisfy some of our deepest needs in marriage. He knows that. And so he wants to twist it so that we try to just have a little bit of it before marriage or outside of marriage. You know, that's what sin, sin really, Satan really does is he takes a good thing and he makes it bad. You know, food. Food is a good thing. But what happens when we have too much of it? We become gluttonous. That's bad. In the same way, Satan tempts us with sex. So why do we choose to sin? I mean, he tempts us, but we have a choice. We choose to sin because we're burning with passion. It's part of our bodies, of course. So we know that our bodies were made for this. But part of it is that our desires are not, it's not that our desires are too big. Sometimes we're like, oh, wait, I just need to stop like desiring something. Um, like, I don't, just don't think about that chocolate bar, and I won't eat it. Well, I would say that it could be that, but it's also because our desires are too small. Why eat that chocolate bar when there's a whole cake waiting for you? In the same way, our desires are too small. We want to satisfy ourselves now, even though we know there's something much better for us later. You know, some of you, do any of you guys like to play sports? Yeah? What are your favorite sports? Basketball? Swimming? Yeah. What do you have to do? You have to train yourself, right? To get good at it. You have to practice. If you want to have fun, you actually have to practice and get good at it. Same with piano. Same with knitting or whatever it is that you enjoy doing. You have to practice to get good at it and discipline yourself. Deprive your body of something in order to gain something better. And that's what we have to do. We have to learn to deprive ourselves of something now because we know that something better is waiting for us. Now, we know that um, sexual sin can be really harmful to us. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin in a person is a... Every other sin a person commits is outside his body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So we know that there's something unique about sexual sin that we need to be particularly careful about, to flee from, run from it. You know, we talk about the armor of God. Do you guys know about the armor of God? Well, if you, if you look up Ephesians chapter 6, you'll see it. God's, uh, Paul says, put on the armor of God. You know, we need to be like soldiers for God. You know, take the sword of the spirit and 
the breastplate of righteousness, things like that. I know about armor because I used to play ice hockey. And in ice hockey, if you don't have your armor on, you're, 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 uh, you're a goner. Uh, but what happens if you have a wound? If you cut yourself and you're bleeding and you put on the armor on top of that wound, the wound's only just going to fester. It's going to get worse. It's going to get infected and gross. And that's the way it is for us. If we sin against the Lord and we sin against our own bodies through sexual immorality, the wound starts to fester and it gets worse. And, we, and, and sometimes we just put on the armor of God thinking we can go out there and just still be a good Christian, but we know underneath that we're getting worse and worse. And of course we know that sinning against God incurs his wrath. He just doesn't, he, he does not like it. You know, here in this passage we see that Paul says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of obedience. In the same way, don't believe those lies that, that the world tells us. The world tells us that the world tells us that we can have sex whenever we want and with whomever we want. And, and it's okay. That's what the world tells us. But those are empty lies. Those are empty words. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let yourself deceive yourself. Don't listen to those lies. Because we know that God has given us the truth. So, so I was in darkness committing sexual sin. How did I get out of darkness? Well, God's, by God's grace, he rescued me out of that dark place. And it started with really accept, coming to the throne of God and really falling before him and saying, You are God. I'm going to lay this before you. I repent, I confess. I had to confess to God. And that's the first thing that we always have to do. We have to give it to God and invite him to clean us, invite him to free us. But I had to continue from there. I had to go and bring it into the light. I had to begin to share it with others. I had to begin to receive people's prayers and to pray with them for healing. Instead of, instead of the wrath of God, I turned, into, I turned to his love. I began to remember that I am the beloved child. You know, instead of the shame and the fear, acceptance. I knew I could have acceptance. Instead of having, being controlled and enslaved by the sin, I instead I became God's bride. It was, roman- it was his romance and his love. He was just intimate with me. And I experienced his grace and his power. And by his grace and his power, he freed me from these addictions to pornography and to premarital sex. We know that God is light, and in him is no darkness, right? And James 1.17 says, God is the father of lights. And we know also from Revelation 12, 21, is there going to be a sun or a moon in heaven? No. no. Why? Exactly. Yeah. Do you hear that? God is going to be our light. He is light. There is no darkness in him. So we need to walk as children of light because we are God's children. We can imitate him by walking completely in the light. You know, so our, our, our memorization verse, walk as children of light for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. 
Well, we need to continue to walk in the light. What does that mean? How do we do that? The first thing we need to do is avoid darkness. When you see darkness, run from it. Because we are light. Walk as children of light. So if you see that, that tempting magazine, or you're tempted to go to that website, or, or you're just singing, listening to pop music that's talking about sex in a derogatory way, or in a, in a, in a way that makes it into something very light, run from it. If you find that you're doing something behind locked doors, or you're worried that someone's going to find you doing it, you're in darkness. Don't walk in the darkness. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for you or for anyone around you. You don't need that. Okay, what else do we do? Paul says we need to, we need to find the light in everything that is good and right and true. Good and right and true. So we need to ask questions to find out what is right and what is wrong. Sometimes we don't know what is right or what is wrong. So you can do that. You can talk to, you can talk to each other and, and, and say, is this okay? Let's look at bi- the Bible together. Let's talk about this. Let's pray about this. Talk to your spiritual leaders. Talk to Uncle Scott and Sister Weiwei. Uh, find out like, what is good and what is right and what is true. If you don't know if something is sexually immoral... Don't just do it and then assume that it's okay. But don't do it. Wait and talk to someone. Do you think this is okay? Is it okay if I hold hands with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Is it okay if I kiss? Is it okay if, you know, we do this or that? These are things that, as we walk in the light, we should be able to talk about and discern what is good and right and true. Don't hide anything from anyone. You know, it says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. So we don't need to hide anything. And we don't need to be ashamed because we know that we are, we are children of God. We are beloved children of God. So any aspect of my life, if you were to ask me any question, I should be able to answer you without having any shame. Even if there's sin, I can confess that to you freely. And knowing that I have forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We can think about, is what I'm doing right now pleasing to the Lord? And this can apply to anything in your life. Anything in your life. But especially if we're thinking about our relationships with, with people of the opposite gender or uh, whatever it might be, is what I'm doing pleasing to the Lord? And finally, we need to receive Jesus' love. We need to receive his love. <clears throat> you know, it says here, In verse 14, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We're like dead bodies, but God breathes on us and shines on us, and we awake and we rise up. So we we can have confidence in that. You know, all these were true for me, and it was actually really hard to walk into the light, but I received God's grace and forgiveness. Even though I thought people would judge me, when, when I walked into the light... I became more bright myself. Paul says here, for when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. So, just by nature of being inside the light, you become light yourself. Because 
if you guys are taking science classes, you know light reflects and it refracts across different things. So the more there, that's why we paint things with bright colors because there's more light bouncing back and forth in the rooms. And that's the way we are to be too. When we step into the light, we become a light to others. So how can we do that? Paul knows that it's hard, so he gives us some guidance. He gives us some guidance. Um, Look carefully how you walk. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's a long way of saying a few things. I'm going to try to just break down a few specific things you can do as a community. First, we need to walk individually as children of light. But then we need, to, we need to avoid foolish talk and crude joking. How many times have I, did I make jokes about sex and jokes about women and you know, judge other people based on their looks, you know, rating them by how sexy they were? These are all unhelpful things. These are things of the darkness. We need to set those aside and instead have thanksgiving. Is that what is happening in your life? When you speak, are you speaking with thanksgiving instead of crude joking? Allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Encourage each other. Encourage each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, we, we don't need to adopt the, the songs of this culture. We can adopt the songs of a culture from heaven, from the kingdom. Submit to one, one another. It says at the very end, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? It means that we love each other, we care for each other. We put each other above one another. So we need to be like flashlights in the darkness. And that means that if we see someone in the darkness and they're stuck in the darkness, we go and help them. We bring the flashlight on and we help shine the light so they can walk into the light. They can walk, get back home safely. You know. Remember, this is not about depriving yourself. Remember, sex is good, and it's good for marriage. I like to use this example. Um, I have some construction paper here, and I, you know, two people are like two pieces of construction paper, and sex is like the glue. So when you're getting married, the sex keeps your marriage glued together. What happens when you break that apart? You, you can't. You see that? I can't even take it apart. Now, imagine in marriage how beautiful that is, that, that something like that just keeps you together so strong, right? Keeps you together so strong. Save yourself for that. Save yourself that you can have the strongest glue for your marriage, and it can be joyful and exciting and not associated at all with shame or guilt or fear. So that's what this is about. It's about saving yourself from something that's better. And it's about the ultimate freedom that God wants you to have in Christ. For the men in the room, specifically, I want to say something. Um, the statistics are pretty high 
that um, quite a few men are addicted to pornography. We need to take a stand against that and be real men. Real men. Real men walk in the light and real men don't look at their sisters with lust. They, they protect their sisters. So for you men, I, need to, I want to affirm that in you and call you to that, call you to be real men. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you would receive healing. Um, build accountability groups. Start talking with each other, checking with each other once a week. How are you doing? Have you been tempted? How can we keep each other uplifted? And we need to be careful lest we too be tempted. And so just be careful as you're sharing. Don't share a lot of details. It's not helpful. You, you don't need to talk a lot in detail about what happened. But you just need to share enough so that we know what's going on so we can pray for each other. For the women in the room, some of you might think that this doesn't apply to you. Um, well, actually, 25% of people who look at pornography are women. Um, so whether that's something that you've, you've done or you're, you, you might be tempted to in the future, this is something that you should be praying for as well. And have compassion for your brothers and pray for them too because they have a greater temptation in this, in this area. For women, I think the biggest temptation is to, to, to give in to premarital sex because uh, often women are looking for that, that um, affection from someone else. They're looking for someone to love them and care for them in that way. Well, what I would say to you is, if he really loves you, is he ready to marry you? If he really loves you, is he ready to say, I want to, I want to be with you forever? Then that is love, and then he can show you that love through sex. And in the same way, uh, sisters uh, in the room, you should also walk in the light as well. Set up accountability groups and pray for each other. So I want to invite uh, Gloria to come up and... She's just going to play some music on the keys. And if you would all just close your eyes and bow your heads and your hearts before the Lord. I'm going to invite us into a time of prayer and reflection on what you've heard. You've heard a lot today, and I apologize. I've given you a lot to think about. But as you're reflecting and praying, ask the Lord. What does God want to reveal to you today? So the question that I'd like you to really ask the Lord today is, how can I begin to walk in the light starting today? How can I begin to walk in the light starting today? Some of you might be actively committing sexual immorality. Um, I, don't, I don't know. But you know, and the Lord knows. He's, he, he's aware. But he wants, to, he wants you to turn back to him. He wants you to turn back to him and receive his forgiveness. If this is you, if you've committed sexual immorality, or if you're in addiction, to sexual immorality pray to the Lord now and confess your sin 
And if you repent and turn away, God will forgive you because he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So take a moment now and just consider, is there any way that I've sinned against the Lord in this area? And if so, I encourage you to invite the Lord in, confess and receive his forgiveness. If you haven't finished yet, that's okay. You can continue to pray to the Lord. Um, some of you have not fallen to sexual sin yet or immorality. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful for that for you. But your question, the question for you then is, how will you begin to walk in the light to keep yourself from temptation? And how can you begin to create a community within this youth group, within your friends, to walk together in the light. So take a moment to pray about that and to consider, how can I begin to walk in the light even though I haven't fallen into that darkness yet? How can I protect myself by walking in the light and trusting in the Lord and in His people? Finally, if you have any questions after today's message, you're not sure you understand everything, or you have a question about what is good or right or true, go ahead and write that down so that you can ask one of your spiritual elders afterwards. together. Father, you are the Father of lights. In you there is no darkness at all. God, we thank you that you're the God who cares for us, 
You're the God who loves us even before a day of our lives came to pass. We are your beloved children. And so, Lord, we ask that you would enable us to imitate you by walking in the light. I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here today that you would bless them to know your love and your grace and your power, that you would protect them from evil if only they would turn their hearts to you. God, I pray that you would keep them from sexual sin, keep them from stumbling. Lord, when there's those moments of temptation, when they feel like, I can't resist, God, would you be their strength? God, would you be the one who fulfills the need that they have for intimacy, for love? God, keep them pure. Lord, because we know that's what you created us to be, God, keep us from using the hammer on the drums or putting the ice cream in the microwave. God, we, we want to, to use sex in the way that you intended it, Lord, in the beautiful way that you intended it for marriage. And so, Lord, we pray that you would cast away all temptation to look at pornography, all temptation um, to begin to uh, participate in sex with others. God, that you would keep us from that temptation. And, and as we stand as children of light and encourage each other, God, would you uh, make this into a community where everyone can feel welcome and safe to be who they are and to, to enter into your forgiveness and your cleansing power. And so I bless each one of you uh, to know God's, God's love to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in resisting the enemy, to walk in the light. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.